and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's April 30th, 2022, and this is episode 85. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the Crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. there's been some interesting movies that have opened up in theaters over the last couple of weeks and a big release happening next week so let's let's talk about it first up is an animated feature called the bad guys this is from dreamworks animation and universal pictures and uh, i i've actually seen this film and i'll be reviewing it later in the podcast uh this is uh a movie that is about five uh criminals they're actually uh, anthropomorphic animals uh, that live in that live in a kind of alternate version of Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but uh, there's Mr. Wolf, who's voiced by Sam Rockwell, Mr. Snake, who's voiced by Mark Marone, uh, Mr. Shark, voiced by Craig Robinson, Mr. Piranha, uh, voiced by Anthony Ramo, uh, Ramos, and Ms. Tarantula, which is voiced by Aquafina. And uh, this group of outlaws are about to attempt their most challenging con yet, uh, actually becoming model citizens. So this is a pretty fun comedy. As I mentioned, I'll be reviewing it here in a bit. It's rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for action and humor. Also playing in theaters is uh, The Northman. This is... Uh, uh, an epic drama uh, from Focus Features. It's from director Robert Eggers, and it follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. Uh, it's got a big cast, stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, uh, Willem Dafoe, and uh, singer and artist Bjork. So um, The Northman is rated R for strong, bloody violence, some sexual content, and nudity. Uh, I am probably going to be passing on The Northman, but if you see it and you think it's really good, let me know. Uh, Another interesting movie that opened up, uh, I think in pretty wide release, is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This is an action comedy from Lionsgate. And it stars, and you maybe you see the trailer for this, it stars Nicolas Cage as himself. <laughs> he's playing he's playing himself. Uh in in uh, uh again, I think it's it's got some accurate things about himself, but I think they've also they you know, of course have exaggerated for the comedy. In this movie, um Nicolas Cage is creatively unfulfilled and he's facing financial ruin. And uh so this fictionalized version of, of, of Nicolas Cage, he accepts a million dollars to attend the birthday party of one of his super fans, who is played by Pedro Pascal. Uh, but it turns out that this super fan is a pretty dangerous dude. Um, things take a wildly unexpected turn when Nicolas Cage is recruited by a CIA operative, who in the movie is played by Tiffany Haddish, and is forced to live up to his own legend 
channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. With the career built for this very moment, the seminal award-winning actor must take on the role of a lifetime, <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent is rated R for language throughout, some sexual references, drug use and violence. This movie actually looks pretty funny to me. So um, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm not sure I will see it in the theater, but um, if I do, of course, I will I will uh, let you know or I'll put some stuff out on, on my Instagram feed, uh, which is at Movies P-A-P. Everything Everywhere All at Once is also another film that has recently opened up. It's a science fiction action film, and it's written by uh, two guys named, well, named Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, and they call themselves Daniels. So <laughs> it's directed by Daniels, uh, but that means that it's Dan Kwan and Daniel uh, Scheinert, and I hope I'm saying their names correctly. It stars Michelle Yeoh, in a, and you know I love Michelle Yeoh. Um, who plays a Chinese-American woman, you know, which uh, she kind of is, uh, being audited by the Eternal Revenue Service, and she discovers that she must connect with a parallel universe um, to prevent a powerful being from causing uh, destruction of, ever, of, of everything, I guess, in, 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 in the actual universe in which she lives. So uh, I, this is another movie I, I, I'm very interested in seeing. I hear it's genre bending and kind of mind bending, uh, or mind blowing. So anyway, uh, they had me at Michelle Yeoh. So uh, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for some violence, sexual material, and language. Uh, probably the biggest movie that's coming out uh, in the next the next couple weeks. It's it's next Friday, May six. This is uh, the sequel to Doctor Strange. It's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Hopefully you've had a chance to see see the trailer. Uh, it, it looks like it's I mean I hope it's gonna be fun. you know clearly it's a Marvel it's a Marvel movie. so if you're if you're not into that sort of thing, it's probably not your movie, but uh, it looks like there's all sorts of characters in this from from uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and uh, it's got a lot of crazy special effects, not unlike the first Doctor Strange film. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is back playing playing a uh, Doctor Stephen Strange, and I'm and I'm I'm stoked for this movie. Uh, I'll I will definitely be reviewing it on the next podcast. Uh, one interesting thing about this Doctor Strange release on May six is that it's going to be. Is this this is you know kind of like back in the day that a studio hasn't done this for a while you know any I don't think any studio has done this for a while, but playing in front of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness exclusively is a trailer for the brand new Avatar movie. Uh, this is this long-awaited sequel to Avatar, which was supposed to come out in like 2014, and then director James Cameron kept, I guess, doing new tech technology stuff and. Uh, kept toying around with the script, and so now we've got four Avatar movies that are going to be opening up every other Christmas starting this Christmas. The film, this film opens up on December 16th. Uh, they've given it a title, too, so rather than just Avatar 2, it's called Avatar The Way of Water. So anyway, I'm pretty stoked to see this 
new Avatar trailer as well. Uh, again, it'll be playing exclusively in front of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and then probably in a week or two they'll they'll put it online. But uh, anyway, uh, I think get a fun way to kind of drive business to see Doctor Strange as well. Uh, so there you have it. So some movies to think about seeing in the theaters. The Bad Guys, which I'm just going to be reviewing here in just a minute. The Northman. Oh, maybe not The Northman. <laughs> I don't want to see that. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And coming soon, as in next week, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. With a exclusive trailer for Avatar The Way of Water. So, in reviews this week, as I mentioned, I uh, just want to talk a bit about The Bad Guys, which is the new film from DreamWorks Animation and, of course, Universal Pictures, which is the owner now of of uh, the DreamWorks Animation Studio. I, I, I hate to even start with this, but I'm going to anyway. I'm just not a big fan of DreamWorks Animation. Every once in a while, I think they, they nail it. You know, of course, Shrek was very funny. Uh, I loved their initial film, The Prince of Egypt, uh, or one of their earlier films. That's that. I think that's a, that's a terrific film. But for me, overall, I think that DreamWorks Animation. I, I don't love their animation style. Uh, I think the films have just you know again. Um, clearly, I'm not the target audience. I think kids kids really like it. You know, I, I was on an airplane a couple of weeks ago, and there were a lot of uh, families with young children uh, on this plane. And I kid you not, every one of those kids that was sitting around me, they were watching the latest Boss Baby movie. I think it was called Boss Baby Family Business. Uh, they were watching it on their on their in-flight entertainment screens, you know, in the, in the seat back in front of them. So that was always kind of jarring. I had to just discipline myself to not look up because I didn't want to, be, to see that horrible imagery of that film. And you know, truth be told, I never, I never even saw it, and I didn't want to. However, the bad guys, it has got a really cool animation style that they're using. Of course, it's CGI, but um, it really looks different. I mean, if you were to compare. This movie to again what the animation that they did for this latest Boss Baby movie, which to me has been kind of like classic DreamWorks style over the over you know the past many years. Uh, this stuff that they're doing for the bad guys was a real departure. So uh, I was very impressed with the look of the film. It's got a very interesting color palette and and much of the movie looks. Uh, hand drawn. I mean, it's it's you know it's an action comedy. As I mentioned earlier, it's got anthropomorph anthropomorphic animals that are set in this funky version of Los Angeles, but where humans live too. So so we've got animals and humans, and there's not necessarily rhyme or reason how they're you know apart or together or whatever, but 
clearly this bad guys group, they are all animals. As I mentioned, there is um, a pickpocket, and it's Mr. Wolf. He's voiced by Sam Rockwell. Uh, there's a safe cracker who is Mr. Snake, voiced by Mark Marone. Um, a master of disguise, <laughs> which is you know, played more for humor. It's Mr. Shark, uh, played by or voiced by Craig Robinson. Uh, the the kind of the the short fused muscle, so to speak, of it is Mr. Piranha, uh, played by Anthony Ramos. And again, funny giving us because you know, the size of a Piranha and whatnot. And then the shark tongued expert, uh, computer hacker is Miss Tarantula, who is voiced by Aquafina. So uh, they they decide, they, they get busted for their latest heist, and um, they, you know, they, they, they make an arrangement that their, that their punishment is actually turning, is trying to be good and be, be model citizens. And so it's that kind of sets up the humor, but of course there's, you know, there's a big plot and all this other stuff going on and, but it's, it's, it's a fun movie. It's, it's not just absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that the script's necessarily great. Of course there's pervasive, a pervasive fart joke. I mean, what's the DreamWorks movie without a fart joke, right? Um, you know, sadly, but this fart joke actually kind of plays into the plot, but still, I always roll my eyes. Um, but again, I'm thinking that that kids are going to like it. I think adults are going to are going to like this kind of cool new animation palette and style. And uh, and it's not. It's just you know, it's not a terrible film. Uh, I give it three and a half stars out of five. Which for a DreamWorks movie is pretty good for me. Um, just FYI, it's based on a book series by Scholastic, and and um, the author of those that book series is Aaron Blob Blobby. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Um, this film was directed by uh, Pierre uh, Parafel from DreamWorks, and this is this is his feature directing debut. So good for him. I you know I hope this is going to mean some cool projects for him in uh, into the future. So uh, you know for for a or for a family film and just for something different, I, I think the bad guys is is a pretty decent choice. I just want to give a report about my experience last weekend. I I went into an in-person film festival. First time that that's happened. I guess I did go to that that uh, uh, LDS film festival, but this was this was full scale and and, multi, and uh, tons of movies in multiple days, and it was in Los Angeles. So this was the Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival. For 2022, this film has has been, uh, excuse me, this film festival has not been held uh, since 2019. 
in 2020 and 2021, they, they, uh, didn't hold TCM did not hold an in-person festival. They did it online and, uh, or again, just on the network, basically on the network. And then, uh, on, on HBO max streaming service. Uh, and that was fun. I mean, I was able to participate in that, but nothing's quite like actually going to the film festival and seeing these movies, uh, on the big screen and, and Turner classic movies returned back with, uh, in a, in a big way. And they did such a nice job. I honestly just can't say enough good about the team at Turner Classic Movies. This is this is a big event in that there are like over a hundred, I'm going to call them events, but a hundred either screenings or book signings or uh, panel discussions, you know, just different events that that have got to be you know staffed and get people in and out of there and not to mention getting the talent uh there and whatnot so there's a lot going on um and and tcm just did it with uh they just absolutely aced it i think this event took place uh, it was last week it was april 21st through 24th uh, this happens in hollywood in california you know in los angeles the headquarters of this is basically, or I guess the main theater that they do it is at the uh, TCL Chinese Theater, you know, formerly known as Grauman's Chinese Theater or Man's Chinese Theater, you know, uh, depending on when you became familiar with, with with this with this movie theater. But it's just it's just one of the great movie palaces in the in the U.S., if not the greatest. Uh, I absolutely love this theater. They have. Uh, recently, well, it's been within the last, you know, five to seven years, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I converted it into an IMAX. So it's, it's, it's a licensed IMAX theater, but it's still, it's just, it's, it's big, it's beautiful. It's just, it's just fantastic. Right next door to the Chinese theater is a big shopping mall, as well as the Dolby theater which is the venue where the Academy Awards are held uh, when it's not like not COVID awareness, but that's, you know, that's where the slap happened and all the, you know, all that nonsense. But, um, but in this mall and, you know, there's stores and restaurants and stuff, but they also have a six screen multiplex. So TCM takes over three of the screens within that multiplex traditionally. And they did that again this, this year. So, uh, there's those two venues, and then they've got a couple of other venues that you know fluctuate from year to year. Uh, I spend most of my time either in the multiplex or at the Chinese theater. Uh, one day, I think I didn't leave the multiplex. It's all, all films that were there. Uh, I saw 15 films over over the over the days. You know. And, 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 you know, I mentioned there were, you know, all these events, they've got so many different movies playing from different genres and different things. And then each of the films is introduced by somebody and they typically TCM brings in somebody to talk about the film who either worked on it, if there's, you know, if there's somebody still alive and available or, uh, you know, uh, just some some expert scholar or whatnot. So there's always some you know interesting an interesting something to learn about the film. 
they provide some context to it, and then you get to see the film on the big screen. Some of the films were were projected in you know with a digital print. Some of them were thirty five millimeter. One of the highlights was seeing a recently restored seventy millimeter screening of uh, the film Spartacus, Stanley Kubrick's giant epic from nineteen sixty with Kurt Russell in it and uh, Gene Simmons. That was just you know amazing. I kind of had to pinch myself. I couldn't believe that it was it was it was happening. I'll put a link in the podcast notes on my blog to my, to uh, my letterbox page where I where I've uh, listed all these movies. But I just want to talk about a couple of uh, highlights. Uh, I got to see the Pajama Game on the big screen. This is one that I had seen last year when I was doing my big uh, musicals watch. Uh, this is a film that stars, uh, it's from 1957. It's an adaptation of the Broadway play, um, directed by George Abbott and, uh, who worked on the original Broadway production and then Stanley Donnan, who again, who's, you know, one of the great Hollywood musical directors ever and, uh, starring Doris Day and, and, uh, John Raitt. And it's just, it was just pure delight just to, to see this movie on, on the big screen. I loved watching it just even on my TV, but that was just, that was just, just, you know, fantastic. Another musical that I saw on the big screen, which is one I've seen on TCM before. And it's, and it's called, it's always fair weather. It's from 1955 again, directed by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly and starring Gene Kelly. This movie is one I've watched on TCM and I haven't really liked it. And I think that for, for for many Hollywood musical fans, it's it you know, I think it's it's quite different because it's it's set in it's set in modern day, you know, again, 1955. And it's uh Gene Kelly and uh Dan Daly and Michael Kidd play three World War II buddies and they get back to the US from the war and they promise to meet in 10 years. And uh, all three of them, each of them have been handed different, you know, different challenges in their life. And they, when they come back together after, you know, after the 10 years, they are so different. They decide they don't even know each other. Uh, Gene Kelly, uh, it's kind of turned into this gambler dude, uh, a bit of a huckster, boxing promoter, and just stuff that's just not particularly savory uh, or legal <laughs> right? uh, or law-abiding, I used to say. Uh, Dan Daly is uh, a recovering alcoholic whose who's, uh, marriage is on the rocks. Michael Kidd plays um, a guy. A guy who's got a who's he's a happy family man, but he's got uh, just a little burger joint that that where that he that he owns and and anyway it's these guys you know they ten years later they've got nothing in common and and it's kind of a bit of a downer in a way at least when I watched it on TCM but at the film festival uh, Gene Kelly's widow her name is Patricia. Uh, Patricia Ward, and she goes by Patricia Ward Kelly, but she's really made at her mission. She was quite a bit younger when she married when she married uh, Gene Kelly, 
you know, and again, this Gene Kelly had been married uh, multiple times before this final marriage, uh, you know, before he died. But she's really made it uh, her mission to to uh, keep Gene's legacy uh, alive, to keep it accurate. <laughs> you know, she was she was pleading with people like, don't don't believe everything you read on the internet about Gene Kelly. Not that it's full of all sorts of negative stuff, but one of the things in particular she was talking about is that, and I had, I had heard this too, but there's like this pervasive thing that, that Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan, who had directed uh, Singing in the Rain together, and then they you know had directed this film, that after this film, and it wasn't a huge hit, but that they... Uh, they uh, their relationship kind of crumbled and, and, and they really didn't see each other. You know, they're, they're, they, uh, uh, again, they, 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 um, fell apart. Um, but, uh, Jean's widow was saying that that actually is not true, that they remain friends, uh, and friendly for the rest of their lives. And there you have it. But, um, uh, because Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan, their direction is so good, specifically in their musical numbers. And to see them on the big screen as intended, you know, no, nothing on, you know, that you'd see on, on TV that would be like pan and scan or, or something where, where uh, the full shot is broken up. When you see these films as they were, you know, intended, I don't know. It, ch it changed my perspective. So this went from a film that I just kind of don't didn't like that much to one that I incredibly respect, and I will I will watch it again with with pleasure. It's got uh, two or three really quite you know I guess two in particular quite famous scenes that you might maybe have seen in some other thing. But there's a scene when when the three veterans, when Gene Kelly, Dan Daly, and Michael Kidd all get back from World War II, they they go on a drinking binge, but they do this dance with uh, garbage can lids, and they put like the lids in on one of their feet or on, on yeah on a foot on each. Uh, anyway, they're like so like one of their f one foot has a garbage can lid on it, and they're doing this. They do this amazing dance, and again, it's just filmed incredibly well. And and seeing that on the big screen was amazing. You know the the crowd we saw with just went nuts after each one of these musical numbers. Uh, there's the famous scene where Gene Kelly uh, is roller skating through. It's you know it's filmed on a soundstage in you know it, on the MGM back on the MGM MGM lot, but uh, they make it look like it's New York City and Gene Kelly is roller skating and singing and um, it's fantastic. And then Sid Charisse has this absolutely knockout scene with with. Uh, uh, a group of bo of boxers. I mean, they're you know they're dancers, but they're they're dressed up as boxers, and it's called "Baby, You Knock Me Out," and it knocks me out every time I see it. And then and then just to see it on the big screen just blew my mind. So that was that was a huge, huge uh, highlight for me. Uh, saw my very first Will Rogers movie. Will Rogers was, uh, you know, a big movie star in the early nineteen thirties. This film was called Too Busy to Work. And it was it was really charming. I was really happy to get to get to uh to, to to see that. Saw Heaven Can Wait, 
which is the night I saw it was it's the 1978 film with Warren Beatty. This one is a remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan. And uh but you know they they gave it this title, but Warren Beatty was there in the, in the house and I couldn't decide if Warren Beatty was senile or if he was just being difficult or both. I think he was a, ha- a hard interview for uh, Ben Mankiewicz, the TCM host, but still super fun. Uh, one last film to talk about was, uh, it's a film called The Legend of Drunken Master. Sometimes it's known as Drunken Master 2. Uh, it's a Jackie Chan movie made in 1994. It's made in Hong Kong, and it had kind of a limited and weird release in the U.S. It was it was brought to the U.S. I I had never heard of this film before. It was brought to the U.S. originally around I think two thousand, so you know years after it had been released in in uh, in Hong Kong, uh, you know, and in other international markets. And the one that they brought to the U.S. they had done an English dub for it, which I had heard was horrible. And then it had received some other edits, and so it just was not as good. So this movie was, uh, you know, basically a restored version of the original. It was in Chinese with English subtitles, and then none of these, you know, wacky edits or whatever happened with that original English print. And it just absolutely wowed me. Uh, what happens to this? So this is set, you know, in in in. Uh, Kind of ancient Chinese times. Sorry, I'm not being very accurate with the with the uh, historical time timeline. But he, uh, uh, what happens with Jackie Chan's character is if he gets drunk, there's like this drunken boxing style that he goes into that just, of course, can defeat the enemy. But it is so much fun to watch because he's playing, you know, like a drunk person. But who's able to do all this incredible, these incredible martial arts moves? And of course, you know Jackie Chan does all of his own stunts, and you just can't believe what he's doing. They have, they have outtakes at the end that show many of the, of the, of, the, of the injuries that happened to not only to Jackie Chan but other cast members. But that was and, and that was so fun. And of course, seeing it with the enthusiastic festival crowd, everybody was going nuts over it, and uh, and I just really enjoyed it. So. Anyway, I could I could go on and on. The Turner Classic Movie Classic Film Festival this year was was uh, classic movie heaven, and would just highly recommend this festival to anybody who likes seeing classic movies on the big screen. My surmise is this it will happen again next year, hopefully, and again probably in the same time period. Kind of it fluctuates from you know kind of between April and May, just depending on you know, what's going on with, with, I mean, there's so many pieces, uh, pieces of this that have, have to come together, but you know, they'll, they'll, I think typically they announce it in around November. So we'll know later this year about scheduled for next year. But anyway, love, love, love the TCM classic film festival. Uh, it's just such a great experience. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, 
Links are also on the blog. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is at MoviesPAP, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.